everyone. This is Amy here. We are so glad to have you with us and thrilled to introduce you to this episode's magical, mystical being. She's powerful. She's loving. She's supportive. Known as the goddess of justice and opportunity and the twin flame of St. Germain, we welcome Lady Portia. First impressions. Katie, would you like to share what our listeners might expect? Sure. For me, Lady Portia showed up and this is, she's brand new, brand, brand, brand new to me. I barely even knew the name before we decided to go with her. But it's that sense of social justice, of righting wrongs, of that kind of like the fiery passion that can push me through obstacles or wanting to turn a blind eye to injustices in the world. Like it's really easy to turn off my TV. So I found Lady Portia was really helping me get through the week. It's been a really tough week in the justice arena of the world. And so that was just super helpful for me. That's what I experienced. So if you're looking for some help in motivating you to uh, do your part with the wrongs of the world, I think Lady Portia is a great being to turn to. Absolutely. Andrea, how does Lady Portia reveal herself to you? I'm like Katie, brand new to Lady Portia. I had no idea that the goddess of justice was, had this name, Lady Portia. And I think the first time we heard the name, I was like, who the heck is that? So this week, just for context, we're recording this during the week that Justice Ginsburg has passed away and that, you know, there's this whole Supreme Court nominating, confirm- I mean, lots of legal stuff in the world happening. And Breonna Taylor's. Breonna Taylor's grand jury results came back. Um, interestingly enough, my clients, the clients I've attracted this week are having, they're in legal issues. They're having to wrangle with the courts, whether it be through wills or finances. So it's just been like a heavy legal week. So all week I was thinking, where the heck is Lady Portia? We got to talk about her. Where is she? Where is she? There's a lot going on. And I thought, well, maybe she's so busy dealing with the, <laughs> with the world. She doesn't have time to come sit on my couch. And I'm laughing a little bit about that. These beings are always there for us. But for me, then what I realized was her presence was so strong just all week. I felt distracted by the news and what was going on in current events. But to me, she literally feels like a marble statue. And imagine a marble statue speaking like that strong, that artistic, that held, that sort of literally grounded in stone. I know who I am. Um, Mm. very self-aware presence, but also then when I could hear her speaking, it was like water running, like cool water, just clear stream of water. So I don't think I can, but she feels like cool marble to me. The way you say it, it makes me think of the word like poised. Yes. Very, it's like she has a lot of poise. And it's natural. It comes just from like the inside out. That flow. How beautiful. So for me, it's interesting. So she first showed up in my life in relation with the violet flame. And I experience her as it's a gentle yet strong energy. Magenta, for whatever reason, like the color magenta, kind of like a lighter violet color as well, also kind of comes through, feels to, to be an experience that I have with her, as well as I have the Malta cross that when that symbol appears, I know she's with me. Like there's something there, that message, uh, awareness that she's bringing forth. And I too have had experience of her showing up in relation to divine justice And I'll share a little bit more about that a little bit later. As far as her history, what do we know about her? Katie, can you share a little bit about what you may have come across, found? Oh my gosh, everyone, this is going to be the shortest kind of scholar speaks yet. Um, This is incredibly short. The first mention I can find of her at all is from April 9th, 1939. And this is uh, part of the St. Germain Foundation. And so we talked about in our previous episode, 
or two about how St. Germain kind of starts appearing in spiritualism circles in the late 19th and early 20th century. And so this is one of those kind of circles and publishing companies that started publishing what they said were St. Germain's channeled messages. And so someone named Guy Ballard channeled a being that identified herself as Lady Portia. And he also had a vision of St. Germain years before that. And I'm a little suspicious of Guy Ballard, y'all, I have to say, because he said that he was the only authentic voice of St. Germain until his death. He's the founder of I Am Centers. And if you poke around online, you'll see a lot of I Am Centers. It's not that they feel shady, but they feel something, I don't know. Now, listeners are going to probably have experience with I Am Centers, and you're all going to tell me that I'm, I'm wrong. I have no direct experience with I Am Centers at all. But he's the founder of those. Um, so I have some suspicions about Guy Ballard claiming to be the voice of St. Germain. But this is where Lady Portia first comes into awareness, as far as I know, with her name is Lady Portia. And for, so from there, she takes off, and a lot of people today will... Um, have experiences with her. You'll find no shortage. If you Google her, you'll find no shortage of people who are um, either channeling her, having experiences with her. But as far as like ancient text, ancient mentionings of her, there's none of that. So we have no kind of incarnated form of Lady Portia to my knowledge. Um, So this really direct knowledge with her name begins in 1939. But if we look back further To the image of justice, we know that Lady Justice is a very ancient image. So ancient Romans, ancient Greeks to some extent, all had this, or not to some extent, they did. They all had a concept of justice, often personified as a woman. And that personification later on in the medieval Renaissance period becomes Lady Justice. So we see examples of this with Lady Justice holding scales with a blindfold, like she's um, impartial. That's represented through the blindfold. She can't be swayed by people's antics. And she holds the scales of justice. So we see that representation all over the place. And y'all, that's all I've got. (laughs) Does anyone else know anything about her history? She, She was very hard to research and that made it kind of fun. Right, that divine truth. So I have a couple things to share. So it's interesting because I believe Andrea had spoke after our episode of St. Germain. And of course, Lady Portia had come through very strongly during the St. Germain episode for me. And so that's kind of how she came up for this one. And I believe, Andrea, you asked if she was somehow tied in, if she was the Lady Portia from Shakespeare. Correct, and, and the Merchant of Venice. Yes. And sure enough, I did find, so this is from something out there on the internet. So take it for what it is, but I find it fascinating that this information has come into my life. So I'll share two things. So Lady Portia is represented by her name in Shakespeare's The Merchant of Venice, a play revolving around the theme justice. So here she is showing up again with that justice. Not only that, so there's arguments that have been made that Shakespeare's plays were written by Francis Bacon, I think is how you say that. I might be slaughtering that name, so bear with me, who is said to be an incarnation of St. Germain. What? Right, right. And the plays were based on his own life experiences. Wow. I need a high school refresher on The Merchant of Venice. The Merchant of Venice, if I'm remembering correctly, because I actually looked it up really quick to be like, what's the Merchant of Venice about? So I think it's where Lady Portia is the daughter of a very wealthy man, I guess the merchant. And it's time for her to be married. And he does something with three caskets, not coffins, but caskets, meaning like trunks or chests that would hold great treasure. He does something with these three caskets and each suitor has to, I don't know, figure something out, figure out which casket holds what or take a risk on which casket actually does hold the wealth and whoever somehow wins or gets the right answer gets the hand of Lady Portia. But oh, I think okay. So there's she's something like where the, she's the prize. She's the prize. Right. But there's, she's the main character. So she ha- She's doing something in there too to maybe snag this is it sounds like a shakespearean comedy not a i think not a tragedy i think that's right so amy thanks for sharing all of that i kind of want to explore it a little bit 
So this is my kind of cynical and scholarly self. I find it much easier to believe that Guy Ballard was familiar with Shakespeare and could borrow the name Lady Portia, right, as dealing, dealing with, because I mean, he's probably educated. Shakespeare has been, you know, part of our common curriculum for, for a really long time. I've seen these other theories that Shakespeare didn't write Shakespeare, and I don't believe them. I think Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a ghost writer for Shakespeare. I've read just a little enough about that. I'm not a Shakespeare scholar. I'm not a Renaissance scholar at all, but I'm kind of curious if there's a, you know, these Renaissance men were all well-versed with one another, pardon the pun, when we're talking about Shakespeare. Certainly Francis Bacon and Shakespeare lived around the same time and were interacting in all part of this Elizabethan era that was producing this great art. So I'm kind of curious of what people are feeling about those connections. I have not researched this. There is a very mysterious school of night that Shakespeare was part of, along with Francis Bacon, Sir Walter Raleigh, Christopher Marlowe, ended up all becoming really, really quite famous. All of them did, which is phenomenal. But the idea was that they were working with the mystical arts and they were working with alchemy. And, but it was all for their ends to write greater things, to express themselves, great or to, you know, well, Sir Walter Raleigh was an explorer. It's, it's a fascinating kind of connection there. Katie, did Guy Ballard associate Lady Portia with justice? Did he channel, when he was channeling her, did he say, this is the Lady Justice or she's coming to, what was her role? Do we know? I don't know. I didn't read, I didn't read so closely about it, but he definitely identified her with St. Germain. As like St. Germain's chick. Something, yes. And like other people later on made more kind of claims about her. And so like, for instance, in 1954, there is the claim who's this by? Uh, it's on some website, <laughs> but that is like on, on this particular date in 1954 that she takes over the violet flame or she becomes the um, spokesperson for the karmic circle of ascended beings. So when we get into all this and it's sort of, I, it's, this is where I have a problem. Like when people are claiming that their channeled messages are absolute truth and this is fact. Right. Rather than something that is filtered through them in their experience and that we can all take and try on. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. With you. I'm very skeptical about that as well, which honestly, look at this podcast and all of us are connecting in with these beings, but we can't prove, I can't prove to somebody else that, yes, that was Archangel Sandalphon. Yes, that was Mother Mary by God. You know, we can't prove it. You know, those energies, I still believe like when we tap into these different energies, we're somehow tapping into that part of ourselves and that's how we're able to connect but we don't know. We don't, you know, so we, even the three of us exploring this, we're not claiming that we're the only way or that we're definitely, this is who we have. But I think we all know like, okay, every energy ends up being really different. Every guest being has been very different. So when you get that feeling that comes up again, it's like, okay, well that mother Mary feels very different than Magdalene feels very different than Bridget feels very different than now lady Portia. Yeah but I'm with you. I'm very skeptical of like facts that we can't prove. Yeah. I like exploring the ideas. I dislike when they're presented as this is who this is because I got a message. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to me, like each of us have our own signature vibration frequency, the things that are going on in our lives. So how these beings show up for us, whatever those messages are that come through. Yes. It, Sure, it might be helpful to somebody else, but when it really comes down to it, like that is for us, our personal experiences. Right. Yeah. And that's where Lady Portia, I think for me was super helpful because I am such a text-based person. And so it's not like we have anything signed by Lady Portia, you know, that she wrote or, <laughs> or ancient references to her. But we see this thread of Lady Justice, both in art and in literature, I found to be very, very powerful. And I think an ongoing message for me that I've been working with probably for 20, 25 years, even in like past lives, is that it's very easy for me to just like shut off the news because it's really hard to deal with. And that one of the lessons in this life is like, no, it's like you have to engage. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm finding Lady Portia really, really helpful for the act of engagement without losing myself in despair or anger or apathy or, or something like that. That's hard to do. Yeah, I've not, I've not yet achieved um, grand success in this area, so I'll take, I'll take all the help I can get. 
How funny. I was actually guided not to watch TV a while, like, and just uh, kind of cut myself off from that for whatever reason. And so it's like that just divine, pure trust with whatever it is that shows up. So Katie, like, I just want to thank you for working with her in the ways that you are and how she has shown up for you in the work that you do. I'll confess, I have my partner collate all the headlines I need to know and tell me a couple of times a week. So I don't have to actually watch them. So if you, if the listeners, if you have a great partner who's willing to do that for you and you find the news overwhelming, I got to say it's golden. It's great. You know what? My husband does that as well, but he'll always leave out the most important fact. Like he said the other day, he's like, oh, California is going to like, they're going to stop selling cars that are powered by gasoline. And I was like, but not until 2030 something. He leaves out that that's a goal that they're not going to try to attain until <laughs> the next several decades. So I can't it is true. Though. It is that. true. Our governor that did lies. sign that into, uh, <laughs> into law. <laughs> so I found one more thing that I find kind of fascinating. So it said that Portia has many incarnations. One of her last embodiments was as one of the queen Bodica's daughter. I think I'm Bod- Bodacia's daughter. Queen Bodisha? Oh, 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 yeah, the uh, Breton in ancient Britain. Okay. So her name, I believe, was Tasca, who went into battle with her mother as a warrior princess. Wow. Yeah. So she was a Druidic and Celtic priestess who led her people in their fight against the Romans, bringing civilization. And in the process, eradicating all local spiritual practices. Yeah, bringing civilization is a uh, a loaded way, <laughs> a loaded way for that source to describe that. So I'm laughing because I'm massively giving away a lot of my belongings and books right now. So I have this book called Ten Queens that's sitting by my desk right now that I'm I'm looking for someone to take off my hands. There's a whole chapter on I don't know how to say your name either. How did you say it, Amy? Bodacia, like I want to say bodacious. Bodacia, bodacious, B-O-U-D-I-C-C-A. So listeners pronounce this in an ancient Britain um, kind of way as you will. But yeah, she's an important kind of figure for those who study ancient Celtic history because she is this fierce woman leader who leads the troops. She, she ends up being killed, but she leads the troops against this Roman invasion. So like, yeah, I love that for Lady Portia. Like she's against colonialism. She's helping, you know, um, trying to preserve these ancient practices that end up getting eradicated over time as Britain becomes more and more Romanized. Not, they're not totally lost, but they do become, uh, go underground a bit. It's fascinating. I'm curious about that one. To me, it's like, oh, is this a connection to Bridget, like our first episode of the season, we did Bridget. And so now I see that Celtic aspect kind of showing up a little bit here with Lady Portia too. So I'm curious with the end of the season, how it's going to bring all these together. Right? There's little threads being woven that we don't even know about. I love it. So with Lady Portia being known as a twin flame... So this is a term that is thrown around in different ways. And I feel that each of us might have our own meaning and definition of that. And I just kind of wanted to check in with you guys to see if maybe that term meant something to you. Like Lady Portia, the twin flame of St. Germain. What does that even mean? Katie, do you have any insight? I get asked about twin flames all the time. So this is a good opportunity for me to kind of maybe clarify or expand my own understanding of it. It's often spoken of as being as your soulmate, like your twin flame is your soulmate. And I was trying to do a little research to find when that term even came into popularity, but I could not find a date, but I think it's very recent. I, I can't imagine it's more than 100 years old at the most as a term. So I'm looking to the two of you to help me clarify, I think, what I, uh, what I actually think about this. And so we often hear about twin flames as soulmates in a romantic relationship, as pe- those who complement yet challenge one another. So when you find that person in your life that you're drawn to, could be romantic, it could be friend, it could even be family, and you're matching each other's struggles and help complement and complete each other's journeys and the lessons that we need to learn. And the idea is that twin flames come together maybe again and again and again over the course of many lifetimes. 
However, many twin flames, if this is a thing, I'm not convinced it's a thing, but if it is a thing, (laughs) if it is a thing, then twin flames are often not the person that you're actually supposed to be with for forever. They're often short-term, kind of high-intensity relationships, again, whether friendship or romantic. Now, those experiences I've had, I, I mean, I find it very interesting that the people from whom I've learned the most about myself in a, in a positive way, although it may have felt negative at the time, were pretty short-lived relationships. But there was an intensity of the pull of myself to them where I knew absolutely there was something that was supposed to be there, then learned whatever, you know, um, traumatic lesson I needed to learn for my own, my own self-betterment, and then we separate. So I'm not sure how clear that was. Um, follow-up questions, comments, clarifications. You all tell me, tell me what I've gotten wrong here, and uh, let's round this out. Well, Andrea here, I'll jump in. I agree with a lot of what you said, Katie. When Amy actually just first said the twin flame of St. Germain, the first thing I thought of was literally if she has also associated with the violet flame, now that they're both the keepers of the flame, I didn't sense any sort of romantic connection between them. She might just be the female counterpart to him. But I agree with Katie that a lot of times this has come up in recent times. I hear this with clients that you know somebody is their twin flame or was, or they're looking for that. Personally, I believe we have a trillion soulmates, absolutely a million. So it's not like you got one. You're not one and done. There's many. And I also agree that there's people come into our lives for a reason. And there are many people, the more I do this work with mediumship, and I think there are so many people around us that we've had many past lives with. You know, I feel like we're kind of all here as like a school group, (laughs) you know, because you'll have whole groups of people that you just, you all get along really well for whatever reason. You might not be best friends, but I just feel like there's that connection. They're trusted souls. So on some level, those could be soul matey, soul friends. Um, The twin flame though, in a romantic relationship, what I have seen through clients and in my own experience is exactly what Katie has said. They are intense. They catch on fire and they burn themselves out (laughs) and that's it. And I think too, you can have as many twin flames in one lifetime as you feel like you have the stomach to handle because (laughs) they're going to be intense relationships. Until you declare celibacy, lifetime celibacy. (laughs) (laughs) Or until you find that partner that you're like, okay, this is a sustainable partnership now. I'm I'm at a point where I can have a long-term sustainable partnership with somebody and we're not going to kill each other with our (laughs) intensity with our flame a lot of times too i find my perspective is a little skewed because i'm a medium so most of my work is mediumship most of my work is dealing you know connecting people with past loved ones so a lot of twin flame relationships from my weird perspective is um that you know one has passed away before the other and at a younger sort of dramatic dramatic way, younger age. But again, that's, that's because that's what I see all day long, dead, dead people. So if you have a twin flame, don't be worried. That it's, or if you have 10 twin flames, don't be worried that <laughs> they're all going to die before yeah, you. Yeah, it can feel like a lot of pressure, right? Yeah. Like must, must, find, must find twin flame or, uh, or something. And be with this person for the rest of my life. Yeah. No way. And there's a lot of soulmates, a lot of that pull to soulmate doesn't mean you need to be husband and wife doesn't mean you need to be in a committed relationship together forever. It absolutely doesn't. Well said both of you. So I'm going to speak from my standpoint of what how it first came that term even came up for me. I very much was in a relationship that Yes, there was amazing parts. When I met this person, I felt like I had found my soulmate. There was just so many ways that we clicked. And within that, I also noticed how he was a teacher for me. So strong messages that came through that relationship, me learning how to really be able to love myself. Like I was serving this other person in certain ways because I loved him so much, but to the point that I was sacrificing myself in a way. So to me, that twin flame is we are there to help one another grow in certain ways. I also have, I guess, my newest belief 
is that we too can have many twin flames, many soulmates, different aspects of us. So I like the idea of the feminine and the masculine, that of St. Germain and Lady Portia. I very much resonate with that, especially when it comes to the flame aspect. As well as, to me, it feels like, say if we're with a partner, And we just really know them. And sometimes we have certain sides that show up and people might look at, you know, us like, huh? Like what's going on? And like the lady Porsche aspects, like just shaking her head. Yeah, I'm here with you. I know I get it. You know, so us holding space for that person in our life or others in our lives that like, we just kind of get one another in certain ways. So what I love about the relationship that I'm in now, the partnership that I'm in now is when we can find that person that is supportive to us, that uplifts us, that sees the light within us, that encourages us for us to be our highest selves. To me, that is also a quality of a twin flame and letting go of that pressure of like, you have to be with this person for the rest of your life. No. Can I really just be present in the moment? This is what's right for now. This feels to be right for now. And always be with that present moment experience. Maybe we are our own twin flames. Mm. Well, yeah. Wow. Maybe they're never, maybe it's never outside of us. Mm, I like that. And they are a reflection of us. So whatever it is that we see in our lives, you know, whether that be us communicating with these guides, these beings that show up, hello, it exists within us. And in that sense, every single person I meet is my twin flame. Right. Every moment, every moment where I'm with someone or even when I'm by myself, I have the opportunity for a twin flame experience. Especially if they ignite you. <laughs> that makes ah. it a little more exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and and that ignition could be like in anger. That's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. yeah like we really disagree be. or something yes. like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can piss people off all the time. This is exciting. Here. <laughs> we're just, we're just twin that, flames. Yeah. That's that is so true. So whether it be that it's igniting something within us, Maybe that is exactly what that twin flame is for us. It's there to ignite whatever be the passion, the anger, whatever, the joy, like it is there. So it's that ignition of the present, whatever that is. Yeah. Whatever we're needing. That's, that's time to come up in that moment. Moving into the messages of what Lady Portia has brought to each of us through each of us. Andrea, would you like to kind of share a little bit about your experiences, any messages that feel really good to share with our listeners? Sure. And again, this is coming from my perception of this marble statue. It's very cool, which is the opposite of a flame, right? However, I think after this discussion of the flame, this message might make more sense that Right before we got on, I was like, I'm not feeling her. I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Where's the message? And all of a sudden, I heard this whisper that said, justice is not blind. I was like, what? What? That goes against, like, everything. Like, you're supposed to, like, justice is supposed to be blind. So here I am arguing again, right, like I do with these very wise beings. And I just kept hearing that over and over again. Justice is not blind. I think this is what she told me. It's what I what came through was that we tend as humans to think justice, the concept of justice is something that exists objectively outside of us and exists objectively outside of set of circumstances or outside a culture. Like there is an ultimate truth to things. And she told me that that's not the case while we're humans and here on earth. It's messy because what might be justice to one of us may be brutally unfair to somebody else, or that person may perceive it as being unfair. So anything that's fair, which by the way, is the worst four letter word that starts with an F in the English language. (laughs) As a lawyer, that's what I was always told to us. But anything that's fair, 
somebody else is going to feel that something has been taken from them uh, wrongfully, whether it be a right or a privilege or money or land, whatever it is. And so I have to sit a little bit more with this justice is not blind because it was just that simple of a message and about the fairness. It's almost like what I was feeling goes in more like what we were talking about just now with this twin flame about if we are our own flame, you know, and if justice is necessarily individual, it's going to be applied to any individual soul based on that soul circumstances and the soul's energy and what the soul is bringing to the situation. Now, obviously I think we can look at a situation and say, there's a thing of equal human rights. We can agree on that. But when you really get deeper, she just kept repeating, justice is not blind. um, What keeps on coming up for me, Andrea, as you're speaking, is just the grand jury with Breonna Taylor. Mm. And I agree. Like if we, a a lot of these cases of what I call injustice in the world if, you, if we do look at each one individually, we're like, oh my gosh, okay, tragic. I can see how all these things happened. But then the people who seem to pay the biggest price are always non-white. Right. Right? Women, black men pay a very big toll for right. being black men. Uh, and so even though individual circumstances, you're like, oh my gosh, this tragedy, but I can see how that happens. But in this case, justice literally is not blind. Right. Right. And we have these laws set up for impartiality that we know don't work. Right. Right. We know we have implied biases and that's part of our human condition. And so I'm kind of curious, is that part of, is the justice is not blind? Are you sensing that this is a human truth that she is speaking? Like, yeah, your justice isn't blind because it can't be. Or is it something else? Is it more that justice is not blind and it's. I think there's a lot there to mine. I think there's layers and layers of that concept. I think both are right. It's a human truth. Um, and, and one, but there's also, there's more there because there is some sort of like energetically energies tend to balance energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Right. There's something that I just don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to sit with this a little bit longer and feel it out for myself. What that, what that means. Um, and going back to what you said, Katie, of just acknowledging that, you know, injustice does tend to take a toll more on non-white people, particularly in the United States. I should say we're, I don't know about other countries. And it's usually the privileged class that are squawking the loudest about something being unfair if a privilege is taken away from them. But from the disadvantaged, fair justice might you know, be giving them another right, might be giving them more resources. But the privileged classes are the first ones that are going to start screaming it's not fair. Right. And the, the fairness in this case, I mean, I'm, I think I'm generalizing here and being very nonspecific, but then the fairness is about a perceived, not even a right, but a perceived something that will be taken away as if we operate in a zero sum world. Right. And we don't. Right. I agree. We don't. But our perception is that like, there's right. a limited amount of, you name it, right. justice, or there a limited amount of privilege or a limited amount of a dignity. Right. And if someone else has it, then it's being taken away from, usually from me. Right. It's funny. It's uniting. It's the collaboration of how, how can we do what's best for all, whatever that may be. It's like trusting this divine process of whatever it is that's showing up and doing what we've got to do. Like we know our truth you know, and what our truth is may be totally not true to somebody else. So knowing that all those different perspectives do exist. And so how she showed up with, for me in a legal way, it was a strong message because so my friend who also uh, has St. Germain come through him, he doesn't really connect with Lady Portia a whole lot, but she definitely came through me when this happened. So we're evicting the caretaker who, you know, was not living up to the agreement. And there was the whole court process. So there's that legal stuff that we're going into. Wait, from a house, Amy? 
Yeah. So yes. Uh huh. That's a building okay. a house, a trailer. Is- oh, that's brutal. I'm so sorry. Yep. And so it's, it's just all part of the learning, like all this served in the ways that it, it did. And so really just like reflecting, gaining on all that it showed up for. So the legal process of going through that eviction process, you know, wishing the best for this gentleman, but hello, if you're not paying any money to live somewhere, there has to be that, that energy exchange. There has to be an exchange of some sort, you know, and that court process, things somehow got messed up a little bit. The amount that was actually owed or, you know, said to be not paid of all the different bills, expenses, blah, 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 blah. Well, somehow that number got messed up and the legal stuff and they didn't catch it until afterwards. So the, the eviction process was about to go on and they're like, oh no, this amount that is on the records is not correct. So there was two options. Cut the loss of it, go through the eviction process or go back to court to get it the proper number, knowing that this person may or may not ever you may never see a penny of that anyway. So why not just like pause? What is going to be the best for all right here? What is going to be the best decision? And so Lady Porsche showed up very strongly for me in relation to this, just to present him with these options, just to bring awareness. Cause sometimes we get caught up in, you know, the legal stuff or, you know, this is mine. This is what's right. That right, wrong, like kind of letting go of some of that. And it's like, okay, why is this showing up for me? What can I do to stay on my ground, stay on my truth and move forward? What happened was my friend decided to go ahead and go through with the eviction process and let go of the amount. We got the caretaker moved out and all ended up well. We cleaned everything out. It, I mean, that guy had, it was just trashed. It was not good. The energy that was there, it was an opportunity to clear out what was there and start raising the frequencies and vibrations and bringing in that love, clearing the entities. And I had shared with you in the St. Germain episode that I felt like something had attached itself to me. That was during part of that whole clearing process. So I do want to say this because Katie, like I honor like where you're coming from, from the I am teachings and whatnot. And I don't know what's true, but I, what I can speak from is some of the decrees that have come into my life through whatever it be Guy Ballard or wherever this comes from. Like, man, that was really powerful to work with. That violet flame energy was just really beautiful amazing. I love all that came to me and everyone else that was involved in this process all through this. So thank you, Lady Portia. So this is, uh, this is my opportunity to be um, a little humble and to do a little more research before I start uh, speaking, right? Because I don't know anything about the IM centers, really. But it was kind of this line of like, Guy Ballard is claiming to be sort of the only spokesperson for St. Germain. Of course, he died, so it's free range now, even if he was the only spokesperson, right? And so I think this is a great maybe opportunity to um, know that the messenger may be very imperfect. Yes. But the message might be just what we need. Exactly. Right, that he received might be very much a part from his own inflated sense of self-importance about being the spokesperson for St. Germain. It's just funny to me because like the I am center, it sounds so lofty. And so this just might be also my like kind of Christian privilege also creeping in. Cause you know, I'm, I'm like, I am is like the name of Yahweh. <laughs> and so to have it as the name of a center to me feels funny. It just feels funny. And so I'll, I'll own that and, and do not want to take away from anyone's experience. Most of all yours, Amy. You know, one of the, I agree with you, Katie, that don't, you know, don't kill the messenger or don't, don't blame the messenger. You know, still the message still might be uh, really good. One of the things that I see a lot in spirituality is people personifying energies and people personifying spirits and souls and people personifying God. Right. And I have to remind people ego is huge. 
in our human body to keep us alive. It has a, we have a big survival instinct and we have a huge ego and there's, it plays a role. But when we die, when we pass over, when we become discarnate, we don't have an ego. I wonder how our egoless self evaluates our former ego self. You know, like I wonder if one day my, like I, gotta, I hope that my <laughs> ego, my egoless self will be like giving grace to Katie's very forgiving. <laughs> um, and Amy, I'm just, I'm dying to hear your, your channeled message. Uh, just one other thing real quickly. I, I was making a strong connection between Lady Portia, maybe in the sense of Lady Justice and this theme of justice. And even looking back to our season one episode about Sandalphon as Elijah. And it's not a direct connection where like Lady Portia was, is connected to Sandalphon, but it's this theme of justice that arises with many of these beings. Elijah was this prophet who talked about justice, getting justice for those that he served. This is, was reminding me of a, the, the Lady Portia energy feels a little similar. Hmm. But like Andrea said, maybe that a little bit cooler, whereas Elijah is the fiery prophet. Hmm. Lady Portia is the cool judge. And Amy, your story too about Lady Portia energy with the court case, like, oh my gosh, I wonder if Lady Portia could be really helpful in helping us, like, and I tell me if I'm interpreting this correctly for you, but in helping us not have to have the last say so when people go to court, that's really what they want, right? They want to feel that sense of vindication and justice. And very rarely yes. does that actually happen. Am I, am I right, yeah. Andrea? <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, the best yeah. result is the one where everybody walks away feeling not perfect. Right. That's probably an objectively fair result. Yeah. Uh, but no one feels great about it. Right. And so it's like maybe Lady Portia can help us um, release the need to like have our last say, like to get the last word in, in order to have the other person understand how we feel, because that rarely happens. I love that. The other thing that came to me as you all were both talking was, you know, when Lady Justice is shown with the scales, you know, the ba- is the word balance. And when we think about justice and our concepts of justice evolve, and they've changed over the centuries, but there's got to be some element of balance there. And Amy, I feel like in your story, that's what you gave a pers- you know, different perspectives, different options. And so your friend was able to make this very balanced decision to move forward and not throw any more good energy after bad. You know, it was a much more balanced decision. And maybe that's how Lady Portia can help us, like with multiple perspectives, weigh and what's the most balanced result going to be. Being discerning, like so having those different options or being able to see the different viewpoints, that does bring in, can I be discerning about what really is best and Katie, I love what you said about like, you know, letting go. Maybe I don't need that last say. Can I just, what does feel to be best all the way around for us all just to move on? I love that. That's one of my favorite words, discernment, discerning. I love that. And I feel like that's, that's a good word for her energy, the energy of discernment. Yeah. That's resonating with me too. Yeah. Right. The same with, uh, you know, how you were feeling. Katie, that is, you know, this Guy Ballard guy, be discerning about the messages, receive what resonates with you and let go of what doesn't with anything. I want to hear Lady Portia's message. Okay. So I'm actually going to share the, from a personal experience of what uh, she brought into my life. So she came into my life, I'm going to say probably about four years ago or so. And it was during my journey New Orleans. And here I am straight up just living that spirit led life. All right, God, spirit, show me what's next. Where do I go? Will I, when will I return home? And I had a friend who uh, was doing a channeling for us and Lady Portia happened to be the being that was being channeled. And I had a question that came up, when will I return? I don't remember exactly what was said, but I remember feeling that that's an unknown. It's based on my present moment choices. 
So that's one of the messages that I felt that I wanted to share that the future is based on the present moment choices. We don't know what's going to happen, but by being present with whatever arises, the future is created. The other message, judgment and justice come from God, but they also come from yourself, your inner Christ self. Although we may not instruct your decisions, may be guided with loving support. So basically, they are here. They can't like intrude or, you know, make our decisions for us, but they can offer loving support. We can ask for help from our guides, the spirit from the realms of light and the ascended masters. And to let the light of mercy fill our hearts too, so that we may recognize the truth, the benefits of all absolution. So the absolute, you know, whatever that is, just to be able to find the benefits of the meaning and the experiences that we have. Oh, that was great. I just have a question that popped up with you when you said the word mercy. If justice were blind, would there be any room for mercy? Because mercy is an individuated thing, feeling, uh, act based on individual circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Mercy is often inherently not fair. Mm. Right. But mercy can be um, extended when we don't have to have the last say. That's the opportunity that we have either to receive or to give, to be merciful. And for me, total props to Lady Portia and Amy for saying the future is created. And for me, it's just so important to get away from this idea that our future is predetermined. Absolutely. This is so so prevalent in Christian circles too, right? Like like God knows our future. I'm like, what if we're like, God is co-creating? Right. Our future? Like maybe God doesn't uh, doesn't know. Uh, Maybe God knows all possible futures. Right. Well, then you get quantum theory that we're possibly living in multiple parallel universes at once. So maybe we're constantly co-creating a bunch of futures, futures, right? Yes, and that part of that freedom, like otherwise we do not have free will. Right. I love that that message coming through so concretely. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That divine order, doing what feels right, the important lessons unfold. I feel that she also helps. There's a couple other things that I found that I would love to share that she can help with. So she helps release the karma on all levels. Finding and attaining balance and stability. Finding forgiveness for self and others. Living our dreams and fulfilling our life purpose. Stepping into your own power, our own power, and assistance with all legal issues and actions. So I'd say we see how she's shown up for us as individuals, and here are a couple other ways that she can show up too. I feel like every attorney needs her like I do too on their desk. Yeah, I do too. Katie, how would you say that lady Portia fits into your work? Well, she's, she's super brand new. So um, some of this will remain to be seen or she's new to me. You know, she has no particular place in the Christian system. You know, she's, she's not in scripture. She's not in kind of Christian history. I mean, she doesn't really appear until 1939 by name, but that theme of justice is so prevalent and it's such a theme in scripture. So I was just revisiting the prophets um, right before this call and the the prophets use that image of the scales all the time. Uh, For instance, and the prophet Micah who lived in sixth century ancient Israel, Micah 611 says, can I tolerate wicked scales and a bag of dishonest weights? So the prophets are always using this imagery of, of uneven scales as being antithetical to the justice of God, to the, to the kingdom of God. Jesus' parables, so many of Jesus' stories and parables are about economics. And often not, so Andrea, I, just, I love what you're saying about fairness and mercy, often not necessarily about fairness. For instance, the parable 
where day laborers all get paid the same amount, even though some worked all day and some only came an hour before the end of the shift. But the, the parable seems to be saying God's mercy is such, God's justice is such that there's enough to go around for everyone. So it's not that they get paid fairly, but they get paid according to this divine justice. And for people that are very poor, this makes a lot of sense. Right? They're paid according to this kind of equity. Mm. And so that's where I'm bringing in this sense of justice. As far as Lady Portia herself, we will see. I like it. Mm-hmm. Andrea, how would you say Lady Portia fits into your work? We'll see. You know, already, as I said earlier this week, it's just interesting how many of my clients appeared with going through legal issues. I think if the past beings are any indicator of how I work with future beings, then she will come in when I need, I'll sense that energy when I need to talk to someone about balance, concepts of fairness and and discernment, concepts of discernment. And I might start feeling her when there is a lawsuit involved or when there is a legal action involved. We'll see. I agree. Right. The same here from the shamanic viewpoint, like whatever, whether it be a client or myself, she shows up exactly when she's needed, whatever that may be. Of course, all these other things that we've spoken into, the balance, the stability, fulfilling our dreams and life purpose, you know, that's kind of a, a new way of looking at her working with her. So I'd like to explore that a little bit. And I have follow-up questions for both of you. Yes. Andrea, do you double this like legal advice and psychic medium at the same time? I can't. My law, I do have a law license, but it's inactive. Okay. So okay. I cannot give legal advice, but I can speak from experience and right. business consulting. And I do that a lot. I'm just it's wondering what lot. would be on your business card. And I Part of me just wants <laughs> to design a logo for that. <laughs> Evidential psychic me. That's what's on right, there. Okay. Not lawyer. Um, you know, what was just hitting me too with her energy is that sometimes you need to take a stand for yourself or sometimes you need to take a stand and advocate for somebody else. And I feel like that energy that literally of her being a marble statue standing, I just literally heard the words, take a stand. So I think that she'll come in maybe for all of us when we sense that, that it's time to take a stand either for ourselves or for somebody else. And Katie, you mentioned that earlier Wow. Not turning a blind eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's, it can be tough. But um, Amy, mm-hmm. for you, I'm curious, do, do Lady Portia and St. Germain show up at the same time? They did not. Yeah, they did not for me. They have shown up separately for me. There is an experience that both of them are together. Um, however, when they have shown up for me, it just hasn't been together until. But now as we're speaking of it, like. I very much feel that both of them are here in the presence for this recording. So yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. I just love how Amy was very firm that following St. Germain, we were going to do Lady Portia and literally the whole world, like all this legal stuff erupted after that. So completely. (laughs) We were like, man, she nailed it. It's been like 10 straight (laughs) days of what, what? Oh, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Following that guidance, showing just speaking into what shows up. Like, I don't know why it's here. It's here. And so it just, it felt right. So thank you, ladies. And thank you, Portia, for coming through. Portia, by the way, is spelled P-O-R-T-I-A, correct? Not like the car, Porsche. Yes. But now every time I see a Porsche, I'm going to be like thinking maybe Lady Portia. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Random aside. (laughs) Shall we move into our meditation? Are there any final messages that are coming through? It's uh, all you in the meditation. I'm eager. So this meditation is one designed to open up our hearts to clear anything that needs to be cleared so we can experience a greater love. 
So if you're driving, by all means, wait to do this till you're in a safe place. And if you can join along, we welcome you to find a comfy space, get comfortable, relaxed. Closing your eyes. Just taking a deep breath in, a couple deep breaths. Filling into your heart space. Connecting to your heart. Breathing into your heart. Feeling the expansion of your heart. Uniting and remembering the unity of all. Acknowledge the love within you the truth of your being. You are supported by divine grace. You are invited to connect with your heart's heart's energy center, the center of your chest. Allow your attention to flow into the depths of your soul your essence, activating and bringing forth a realization of truth, receiving all valuable insights. Lady Portia is here to assist you in all ways She places a container in front of you. Notice your surroundings. Notice the smells, the sounds, even what this container may be. Allowing. She invites you to begin pulling anything unneeded anything stagnant from your heart, anything painful, anything heavy, placing it inside this container in front of you so that the purity of your heart allows for a deeper, clearer connection with its divine energy wave. Seeing the gifts that you have received from all these things that you have, are placing into this container. As you now connect with and draw forth your truth, allowing the vibration to align with your heart chakra, your chakra column, the body and auric field, you are invited to sit and experience the vibration of your truth while allowing a pure love to activate from this vibration. Focusing upon your hearts. Breathing into the truth of your being. Feeling, sensing, and simply acknowledging the vibration of truth. Noticing if there's anything else that you wish to clear at this time. Continuing to fill the bucket or container, whatever that may be for you. Do you feel lighter, more open, As we enter into an era of love, there is a need for you to open your heart. Love is all around you, but you will not experience its bliss and sacred influence without it being open. 
the era of love has long been told as a time when humanity creates a reality of love from the projection of love within their beings. You are loved. And you are love. Lady Portia invites you to carry this container with her. Not too far, there is a hole. You can pour all of this that has been emptied out of you into this hole. For the Mother Earth to compost. To receive the nourishing aspects of it. To recycle that. Allowing for the gardens to grow. Together, you cover it up, you bury it. Letting it be, knowing that it's nourishing many other ways, many other things. Lady Portia thanks you for clearing, creating space, allowing yourself to have a full and open heart to receive and be love. Call upon her anytime you need. The time has now come to return. Connecting to your breath. Filling your body. Reconnecting to here now. The smells. The sounds around you. beginning to wiggle your fingers and your toes, becoming fully present once again to this physical world, your physical body. And when you're ready, welcome you to open your eyes. Ladies, how are you doing? Man, I got a lot. Awesome. <laughs> speak it, Andrea. So I, I just felt her speaking to me again, and she started with Justice is Not Blind again and showed me the quintessential you know, figure, the statue of Lady Justice, blindfolded, sword, and scales. And she said, blindfolded because things are not always as they seem to the eye. And if you're blindfolded, if you close your eyes, then you feel, so you feel the truth, you feel the scales and if they're balanced and weighted properly or not. And the, the sword to me is the symbol of a warrior, so a warrior for justice, but also swords uh, are to me symbolic of the element of air which corresponds to our mental bodies and our intuition. So swords get us through the labyrinth of the mind. And so I thought if you're not relying on your physical eyes, you're feeling with your body, the weight of the scales. And if it feels balanced and you're using your mental intuition to come to justice, to come to the truth and She also said justice is another word for truth and justice is not blind because justice sees all. The divine justice sees the truth in everything, the full truth. Whereas our eyes might only see something limited. What a powerful message. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. 
And I let the divine justice, uh, Andrea has such a ring for like theological circles. as a term that comes up divine justice as opposed to like divine judgment. So I so, love it. The, the, connect, yes. the connection you just made with divine justice. And for me, what was really, um, I was very wiggly during that meditation. I think just my um, sense of dis-ease with justice in the world today, mm-hmm. but the connection that was made with love, like love is an essential component of justice. And that for me, it was really powerful to sort of empty out my need to have the last say, or my need to tell people about how you know something, something, something makes me feel um, into the bucket and then into the earth, because I really, I mean, that really did clear the space for love to be the guiding factor, but that that really healthy love, right? So like when, if we love children without having justice in their little lives, they'll grow up to be psychopaths (laughs) (laughs) or sociopaths. Um, And so, right, having the balance of all of those things that like love must be, has to be tempered with justice and with mercy Mm. in our lives. Thank you for the meditation. I loved, Amy, that idea of clearing space because another thing that I was feeling is that you cannot see the truth clearly unless you have space that's cleared out. You have to let go of all these other filters, all of our other junk that we can get caught up in. But if that's let go, if that's drained out, then there's space to see clearly and right. to, feel, to feel the truth, to, to understand the truth. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Any uh, final parting words? I feel like St. Germain is the one, now that we're kind of wrapping up uh, this little mini-series on St. Germain and Lady Portia, I feel like St. Germain might be the wild traveler, like, love me, leave me, come on, let's go on the adventure. Lady Portia's like, we need the road, we need the map. Yes. <laughs> on our way <laughs> as they're twin flames with each that. other <laughs> I like I it yep. well listeners if you have had any experiences or would love to connect with us by all means feel free to email us at journeys at gmail.com Katie would you like to share how they can find us yeah, find us on, you can find us on Facebook at Magical Mystical Journeys. You can find us on Instagram. And of course, you can visit our website, magical-mystical-journeys.com. And so we'd love to connect you with you any of those ways. You know what? Our Facebook page is really, really active. So like if you're on Facebook, come join our Facebook page. People comment on there all the time. It's a great conversation. So we'd love to have you in on that. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.